This is Being Single and Happy with Prem Lata, a podcast about nurturing joy in life as a single person. This is Karim Ladak and I am your podcast host for the series called Being Single and Happy. Welcome to today's episode. It's a very exciting episode as always. And today we're going to talk about navigating norms. One might think, you know, what's so big what's so big about that? But when we think about it, norms are something that we actually grow up with. There are habits. We don't normally challenge them. They're just what we do. We wake up in the morning and we brush our teeth, right? For many of us, you know, an early morning cup of coffee. So, I mean, these are just norms that we grow up with, but the realization that some of these norms actually don't play to our advantage as being single people is what this episode is about. So, we're going to get into an inquiry of you know what kinds of norms need navigating what kinds of norms need challenging and what kinds of norms need a redefining very very exciting episode for absolutely everybody just a qualifying comment i mean when we talk about norms when you are visiting a south indian south indian home and you're invited to eat you actually do eat out of the leaf sitting on the ground that's not the norm i'm talking about i mean that's just something that you do out of respect for the society that you're with the kinds of norms that we're going to be talking about is the discomfort that some of us feel when we do not actually have someone dangling around our arm you know because that's one of the most prevalent societal norms is you grow up and you are in a relationship and life moves on So we will straddle a huge variety of issues. With me today I'm very delighted to welcome two extremely close and dear friends of mine, both entrepreneurial women, both self-made and both completely speak from the heart. Okay? The first person is Gulshan who is calling us on from on location from Lavartika house she is the ceo and the owner and you know everything she is the big mama there right and so at lavartika house so thank you gushan for dialing in even though we know there are some staffing shortages and you need to what to do what you need to do so we really appreciate it and heather is uh, visiting us from muskoka i met heather when she was a president of pride canada and i tell you i have never seen so much fire in any individual heather is that person for us she's constantly advocating for the underdog and so in many respects gushan and heather will make a fabulous set of two extraordinary women to serve as our guests today and then finally we have our co-anchors our wonderful co-anchors michelle and ahmed and so welcome to you as well it's a bright sunny day here in toronto so let's get started thank you so much this is going to be an excellent conversation i feel it already yeah i'm really excited about this one i think we're going to talk about a lot of personal stories and it it'll be a bit of a rant as well cuz we know like we step out of norms as you said karim people have questions and they create situations that are not ideal for you so 
Hopefully it's cathartic for people who, who are going to talk on this episode and also listen as well. From my perspective, I'm going to try to listen a lot as being a person who's not single. So from your experiences, what are the issues out there? And also like as an ally, like what behaviors I have that probably are not that beneficial as well, right? In the conversations, how we frame things. So I am very much excited to learn and listen and get to know more. Maybe we start here and an open question to you, Gulshan and Heather, uh, before we go into, you know, how some of these quote unquote norms are annoying, what is your personal relationship with being single? I just wanted to say I was married for 15 years and even within my marriage, I still felt single. Hmm. And I think I picked my spouse where I could have a lot of independence. So I feel like innately i've always knew that i could never just be that traditional kind of relationship in terms of a marriage and being enmeshed i always knew that i had to pick a partner who also would allow me to be single within the marriage and then when i finally was single uh, because my husband passed away it was actually not a huge transition because already in my marriage, I was already single. Hmm. So I think one of the things is, is that to also understand that when people are actually married, the optics may be that they're married and not single, but a lot of individuals I talk to who are married actually feel very single within their marriage. So I think that's really important to understand that optic. In terms of the singleness, it's really interesting because I think I look at it where we're all interconnected. And what I've been able to kind of form in terms of my singleness is that every relationship is sacred. And, you know, just in terms of like we've been socialized only in terms of romantic partnerships and in regards of marriage, but every relationship is sacred in terms of love. Love is for me, very expansive. Mm -hmm. It's not linear. It has many layers and definitions. So the, even the relationship that I have with some of my friends, um, I look at them as a partner, but in a very unconventional spiritual way. So I feel very full and I don't feel single because I just don't look at it as a romantic partnership. That is amazing, um, Gulshan, because I think we've been talking about in our past episodes as well, right? Some of the points that you hit around, how does that chosen family replace the conventional definitions of what a partnership or a support structure should be? But having that support is a very human thing, right? We still all need that. Definitely as a, as a person in a relationship, it's it's one of those things where if you don't have that independence, you're not growing. And as humans, we need to grow, right? So the points you're hitting are very well resonating. Thanks for sharing that. And thank you for expressing that because that's exactly what I was trying to convey. So thank you for, for stating that. What about you, Heather? How's your relationship with being single? Uh, it's interesting hearing Gulshan's story and stuff and, and just how many similarities out there are. And I think uh, the word that stood out for me the most was sacred. Many years ago, I invited the sacred into my life and thinking it would improve the relationship I was currently in, not realizing I was opening a door to, to dissolving the life I had built living up in the Arctic. And so mm -hmm. uh, for me, being, being single has, uh, has, has become a part of, of that quest for, for sacred. And I find that that is showing up 
so much in my life that I have that giddy in love feeling um, without necessarily having it attached to any particular relationship other than my, my, my relationship to my life and, and the circle of support that I, I find around me. So Gulshan and Heather, listening to both uh, what you both just said, have you noticed in your own experience, not just, again, in your own lives, but with the people in your own circles, that the difference between how single women are treated as opposed to single men? I, I noticed that uh, with, within, within the, the dealing with men, it's almost like three times that they need to meet me before they actually see me. Hmm. And uh, within gay men, I... I, I I say it takes an extra time sometimes, a fourth time, to actually be seen and recognized as somebody who may have value because uh, by all the assigned uh, social metrics, I don't necessarily uh, seem like I have power or uh, whatever to offer to a situation. So, um, Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably have my lens from the worldview of being a South Asian uh, woman. There's a lot of ageism within that question mm -hmm. um you know if you're not married by 23 for a man it's you know you can be a lot older and get away with it but then it completely changes because now i'm a widow getting married for the second time isn't very looked upon as positive like it's like you're a widow and you mm -hmm. know you shouldn't really be getting married again so you should stay single in your widow widowness and i think for men in the south asian community Often it's looked upon that they need to need, need somebody to care for them. So it's in terms of gender, like it's interesting because the dynamics change because before getting married for the first time, it's like a man needs to look after you. And then after that, it's like if you're a male is a widow, then he needs to get married again because he needs somebody to look after them. But the woman actually gets her freedom and her independence because she should always be a widow. So it's really interesting dynamics. So it, I think it's, it's very much uh, freedom for a lot of women who have become single or widowed because they actually get their freedom in the South Asian community and their independence. And another thing I would want to say about that is what I'm finding now is that I'm not invited to a lot of um, events any longer. Uh, when there's couples, I'm all, like, they really don't want women who are single to come to these events. You don't get invited to different places any longer. So that's what I really see in terms of the South Asian community. I can only speak to kind of that. That's been an interesting thing. So I'm not invited to a lot of events being a woman. I think men are more invited, but women are not. So Gloshan, I'll ask you from there, like, how do you tackle that? Let's say you're not invited to something simply because you're not partnered. How have you learned to deal with that? And how do you tackle that when you're put in those situations? It, it, it was really upsetting in the beginning, but I, I really tried to not take it personally. And I really tried to kind of see it from a cultural worldview, you know, and, and so try to understand it in that perspective. And it was, it was difficult because I remember when I was married and not widowed, I, you know, me and Alner would be invited to a lot of different events. It was, it was hard. It was very hard. But then what I find myself is, is that I do have a circle of girlfriends who are married, but they always take these trips or do things kind of on their own. And then I, I just kind of embrace that and just kind of know that it is going to be different being single in the South Asian community. In so I just have to kind of accept it. You, you took the words out of my mouth because I do remember when we were young, uh, at least I do, 
that, you know, when we were arranging social gatherings, you would almost say, well, the Laddocks are invited or the, the Doyles mm-hmm. are invited mm-hmm. or, or, or the, you know, the Hayes are invited and, and the, uh, like, it, it just goes on. I mean, we are so socialized to think in terms of couples, right? And so I don't see that anymore, thankfully. And the way I have challenged that is actually make it not an issue because actually I don't care. <laughs> not being invited. Sorry to be blunt. You know, I, I've got other things to explore. And I, and I think just challenging our attention to where it is that you are valued, loved, respected is, is where my energy is flowing. And I know I speak on behalf of both of you, Gulshan and Heather, when I say that you, you do go to where the energy is, where you get some validation. And, and that's a part of navigating these norms because these are some norms and some of them are good and some of them are not. And we have to look at everyone in the eye, Gushin, and say, screw you. I'm going to do things my way. I love that. And, and you're absolutely right, Karim, because I think I was very much embraced by your circle. And, you know, often you would always include me when you had parties and it was okay to be single. And I felt safe being single and I was invited um, so that was really interesting to see that dynamic as well. So you're right. I had to kind of go where the energy was. I have a question here. So as as you talk about it, right? Like, also, I know, like, in my South Asian culture, it's very much like, if you're single, you're missing out on something, you're missing out on having kids, you're missing out on having family and stuff. But when they create situations like that for single people, when single people are not invited, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It's just very ironic. And, and then the concept is like, you're missing out. So do you guys as single people think you're missing out on something? Is that a fact? Is that a true statement? Or f- from your standpoint, would you challenge that to say single people miss out? I'd have to say that I'm not missing out. I mean, there's, there's trade-offs, especially during a pandemic and, and people who have, you know, you get to see each other's flaws pretty intimately when, when you're in lockdown together. So you ask any of the single people, we might have been bouncing off our walls a little bit, but just that sense of space to be yourself and to explore even some of those fuzzier edges uh, was a really powerful part of, of experiencing the pandemic. And so I, I think there's trade-offs. You know, there's times when the, the, the silence might seem a bit overwhelming, and, and I know other people who would crave that silence, shift the perspective uh, to one of gratitude. That's awesome. You both seem to be in in quite a confident position with where you stand with this. So when you do have to deal with ignorant people or outdated norms, if you will, how do you remove narratives from your own lives? Yeah. So to me, this is probably one of the more complicated questions that Mm -hmm. we will tackle uh, in this episode today, because it's deep. Mm -hmm. And initially, I used to feel like, why am I not invited? Because I'm, I'm, because I'm single. But I, I, I kind of have forgotten those days, to tell you the truth, which is very good news for other people who might feel a little bit less than who they are because they're not invited to a particular venue or not. Yeah. But I think the reason this, this subject is so transformative uh, is the realization that we don't like a certain status quo. And then to learn to say goodbye to that world arrangement 
and reconstruct the world arrangement in a way that suits us. And so the fact that we're doing this podcast, being single and happy, has a reason. It's because there is so much trauma associated with a lot of people who are single and feel alienated because they are not invited as a part of the everyday kind of neighborhood dinner or whatever. But we have to tackle it and we have to, not have to, right? I mean, I chose to reconstruct my whole social life and successfully so. I'm at a point in life now when I'm not invited to those things. I'm actually relieved because mm -hmm. people who, you know, subscribe to such, in my opinion, superficial values will probably have an event that will be filled with superficial conversations. Mm. I know that sounds a bit like not nice to say. No, it just sounds honest, Karim, honestly. It just sounds honest and real. Yeah. And, and so, but, but that's where I'm at. Like, it spare me all of that, you know, what I would call the everyday norms, nine to five, backyard, dogs, car, kids, you know. Like, I mean, just, just it's okay. So long as you're happy, I'm happy. But our worlds don't have to necessarily intersect. I have a question here. So how, what are the critical grounding points that make you actually believe in that? And the, and the reason why I ask that is that in this world of Instagram, right, whether you're single or not, like a few bunch of friends are ha hanging out and they upload pictures and you instantly have a fear of missing out. Personally, for me, like I, I'm not going to have kids, but like it affects me sometimes looking at people uploading pictures with kids, right? How do you ground yourself in, in this theory that I am not missing out, I still have a purpose and what they're sharing as their norm is not my norm and I'm okay without it? It's an, it's an absolute journey. And that's why I think just sitting back and sometimes examining what we're doing out of habit versus what we're doing because we truly desire to do you know, each thing that we do in our life. And so if we do truly follow our inner instinct, my belief is that you will find your way out of that little rabbit hole called subscribing to how we grew up, right? right? And, and, and it's not unnatural. I was thinking this morning that, you know, when babies start talking, one of the first questions that they have once they have a vocabulary of more than 10 words is why? <laughs> yeah. You need to eat this broccoli, you know, why mom, right? And so children are very naturally inquisitive and very naturally demanding of answers because they've not been socialized yet. But then before we know it, we're socialized mm. into those same habits that we initially in our early years kind of challenged or rejected. And so it's bringing the child out in you that says, you know, is this who I really am? And is this what I really want to be is the way to navigate a lot of the complexity in this subject, which is what norms do I do subscribe by? What norms do I want to just kick out of my life? And what norms do I want to actually pursue, right? Yeah. Uh, my relationship with women has evolved enormously over the last, I would say, five or 10 years. And I've learned so much from the women in my life. And so the norm of, you know, as Gushin was saying, you know, women need to be married off early and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there are so many norms out there that are not necessarily playing in favor of women or other marginalized communities, right? And because the norms are all set for, typically set by 
rich people, white people, etc. At, at least in my case, that's true. Mm-hmm. Right. So the idea of eating with a fork and a spoon was socialized very early with me. And, you know, when you're having Indian food, actually, it's quite nice eating with your fingers. Right. I mean, so but back to your question around kids and, and kind of that, 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 that whole do I get a you know, fear of missing out? Look, my answer is very simple. I love children. I have 16 uh, nieces and nephews, now 15, and then, and then 16 great grandnieces and nephews. And I'm very, very privileged that I have all these children around me because I learn from them. So for me, there is no fear of missing out. It's sort of like I'm very content being what I am. Yeah. And I like them before they turn 18 months old and when they start walking and start acting smart. And so I can have my fun. And I actually like this philosophy. It's like, if I were in diapers, would I give a shit about this thing? So I think I need to practice that a little bit more. Maybe that makes sense. <laughs> Gulshan Heather, I do want to pose the same question to you because I think intersectionalities matter here as well, right? Um, Gulshan, you being a South Asian woman and then Heather, you being a woman and queer as well. Like, how do you tackle some of those situations where it's easy to get, you know, for at least for me, for what I was saying, like looking across the fence and kind of wishing for that life or something like that? Well, I have two sons. I always knew I was a mother archetype. So I think I would have really felt, I mean, I knew that I was never going to be the princess archetype, the one that needed to take somebody to take care of them um, in terms of being married. But I always knew I wanted children. So for me, that mother archetype, would it, I, would, I think I would have felt a sense of loss and not felt whole if I didn't have children. I could have done away with the marriage thing, but definitely I knew that that was part of my core archetype. But I look at it very existentially. You know, I think we come in here as individuals and we need to create our own life, you know, and we have to make our life. And that's how I look at it. So I really liked what Kareem said. He's got 16 nieces and nephews and he's made them their children. And I think, again, talking about chosen families, I think that's what's important. So even though maybe you may have not been able to like wanted children, whatever, but I think if that need arises, I think it's really important that, you know, there are so many so many individuals to love and also kind of bring into your, your um, center, right? Uh, but I look at it very existentially. And I think you need to gravitate to make your reality for what you want. So if it's feeling like you're missing out on children, you know, how can I embrace that in, in another form? I like that. Heather? I tried to have kids. It was a part of my plan. I assumed I would. Um, I grew up, my parents were foster parents, so we always had extra people in the house and stuff. And so I always assumed that was sort of the, the life I would have. Uh, it wasn't meant to be. I tried all the different various forms of conceiving from having a male donor. This is when I was living in my houseboat out in Yellowknife and um, having a, 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 a gay man, male friend who offered to, to be the sperm donor and then uh, that that became too stressful and then I did the no name purchase it from a, a company down in Edmonton and the logistics of getting a, 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 a tank to store the sperm in and, and it was all new for the doctor's office as well as uh, myself I guess and then when that didn't work I, I read a book and it was and it sort of just put me at peace with it and it was about how in this future world, there's five adults who are committed to the raising of every child before a child's you know, permission is given to, to bring a child into the community. And I've always considered myself that fifth adult. So I found a way to 
to be that extra human who just cares for that for that child and, and that's that's provided its own connections and rewards that's beautiful thanks for sharing that heather i guess we've been talking a lot about you know things that people intentionally do to single out single people is there is there anything in conversations that or i guess microaggressions or del- uh, things that people do without realizing or the way they phrase some certain sentences that frustrate you that annoy you or that you know kind of destroy a zen single experience um i.e can we people who intentionally are trying to do the right thing can do a better job in terms of how we communicate around this topic so yeah all the time and so i don't want to you know kind of go into the details of how many times but i but i but i'll tell you when someone gives you a compliment that says something along the lines of you're doing well you look so good you know and and says you know you're well suited to finding a suitable boy mm-hmm. and so what's in the way and that question is wow you know i i can't tell you how much it irritates me because the whole hypothesis there is if you are good you are not complete without another individual mm. and that's so offensive mm-hmm. to someone who has actually declared that that they are very happy being single and but that that won't go away and it started with you know going to mosque and you know the occasional aunt who adores me and hugs me and everything and out of love she says so where is our daughter in law right so you don't know what to say to that it's extremely uncomfortable it's mm-hmm. extremely uncomfortable and over time and in my case i was very fortunate because the media reported me and so people kind of knew but it's 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 a hard piece to navigate because you're dealing with people's emotions and people's cultural values and just denying them and saying no to them is not a way to have it go away but negotiating in some ways and showing them some respect and and just saying hey look i'm happy being single there are other things that are also come into my life where uh, being single uh, i am challenged and and i'll tell you i mean when i first started going to the theater on my own meaning the cinema or eating out on my own or just going to events on my own it was all uncomfortable but you know what over time you work things out i love the idea of going to watch a film on my own because you know what then i'm left in my own thoughts with my own delicious popcorn and i don't want anyone bothering that right and so to me my experience is very positive going to the cinema on my own and going to a restaurant on my own where i can get to flirt with whoever i want to flirt with right <laughs> and and so but these are things that are learned in time in, in life and so now it's completely normal uh, quote unquote normal to have people traveling on business going out on dinner on their own and 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 people mm-hmm. doing things on their own it, it's it's become a lot more acceptable but it wasn't 30 years ago or so when i first started kind of saying you know what i want to do things a bit differently and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this you know it reminds me of a conversation i was having at work this week where i was talking to a new person and we were just getting to know each other and he phrased a question to me by saying are you married or do you have a girlfriend and i was like i know his intentions are right but the way he phrased it now i need to come out and i don't want to do that right and then i started thinking about what would the right question to to be asked in that situation would be you know like 
how are you partnered or are you you know how what's your significant other do or like something vague but then i also was thinking about this episode that how is that also is discriminatory against single people because then the single person has to say oh sorry to disappoint you i don't have someone and they have to have a reaction to that so i want to kind of brainstorm here what is the right question to ask if 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 i and maybe i can throw out a feeler something saying something on the lines of saying hey who are the most important people in your life and that let that person define whether it's friends or family or a significant other would that be the right approach or is there a better question that you guys have dealt with that would make more sense that's a great approach uh, uh ahmed it's it's a great approach and i'll let uh, obviously heather and gulshan uh, you know uh, dive in on that because of their rich perspectives but it's a great approach so i kind of put that in the category of don't ask people how much money they make don't ask people if they want to have a baby Mm-hmm. you know i struggle with my family all the time when they say we're waiting for our grandchild and i go you know what like 15% of people are probably not going to be able to have a child so stop expecting it and just let it be a joy when it arrives right mm-hmm. so there are a few questions i actually personally don't ask people ever right. meaning let the relationship evolve and you know if you are worth something and they respect you and trust you the truth will come out as opposed to any kind of even insinuated interrogation Mm-hmm. of something sounding like a why so over to you uh heather and gulshan yeah that's it. i like the way that you um critically thought about that in the answer and i don't know for me it's really interesting maybe because of my age um people don't really ask me like i mean and if they do i i get away with saying you know i'm widowed and then the conversation kind of stops right So I'm just wondering if like age comes into play like if if people are younger are they asked more I don't know but I don't seem to be asked that question as much so I don't know if it's because of uh just in terms of my age yeah and if they do then I'm able to say widowed and I guess the question would then be if I had like if I said single would it be a different conversation and then more open ended questions would arise right Yeah, so that's a it's an interesting one. I don't feel like I'm getting it as much as maybe others. Can can I poke that a little bit, Gulshan? So if if that's a question that's asked, is your more probable response to say widowed rather than single? And does that come from some of the stigma that's, you know, with the single versus having a relationship? Previously? No, I think it just comes because I think that's what I I feel like I'm I'm widowed. I I feel that that's an, a journey that I went through and an experience and I I do feel like I'm widowed um more than I feel like like saying single right now but in terms of like one of the things is the people who do know me and um you know they're always saying why don't you try to meet somebody why don't you try to go on the internet so it's like now taking me out of that widowness and going into the single and and I just feel like yeah I would love maybe to have companionship but I don't think I can do the marriage thing all over again right so i know that there's a part of me that is enjoying this freedom and this independence right and not having to like kareem is saying you know if i want to have popcorn for dinner and watch netflix i don't have to answer to anyone mm-hmm. if i want to go on vacation i don't have to answer to anyone but there is one thing that is coming up for me um and it's coming up very fast is the whole empty nest syndrome because i do have two boys and then i think about i go into this whole mental conversation and well when they're gone what am i going to do right because as i told you i'm very much of the mother archetype not so much of wanting to be like partnered 
And so then I say, okay, well, I get into that kind of, what am I going to do? I'm going to be all alone. But then I have to keep on doing the cognitive therapy on myself. And I'm able to kind of get myself out of that home. There's so much that I can do, right? So I can feel my life still being single. And I think it's just how society is like, you know, like you're single, how are you going to, how are you going to cope when your kids are gone? So that's the question I often get asked. What are you going to do after your kids are gone? Right. What about you, Heather? I guess, you know, for, for me growing up, the, you know, the question was always, you know, do you have a boyfriend and stuff? And so mm-hmm. it's like a constant co- growing up, coming out and deciding just how out do you want to be? And, and so sometimes I'll make a point of using language that identifies that I'm gay or, or a lesbian so that it, it prevents the, the questions, right? I'll refer to my partner and make sure I use the appropriate pronouns or something or or, or an ex or, or, or whatever and make sure that uh, it's clear mm-hmm. my status, I guess, because it just seems to put other people more at ease. But uh, there, our society is, we're taught not to be comfortable in silence or alone. And it's actually becomes the greatest gift you can have or give yourself. So, you know, once we get past that, the, you know, the constant distractions that are offered us so that we don't, experience being alone there's some real gifts to be had there not silence what would you say have been some of your biggest gifts just just the the time and the reflection to to heal old wounds so that you know stuff with different family members we can be sitting on the porch and laughing and there's no you're not you're not carrying the old stuff with you so there's it seems like there's time and quiet to just unplug from things that you know that 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 doesn't serve anymore I'm, i'm leaving that one here. And, and you know, I, I do a lot of uh, meditation. It's been a big part of my life. I, I think the freest I feel is on my cushion when I, when I finally just allow myself just to be on my cushion. Hmm. Awesome. On a, on a philosophical level, all I would suggest is challenging and navigating these norms is just a way of life. And as I said at the outset, we grow up with them. Sometimes we don't even know that there are norms and we grow up with them because we're creatures of habit, right? And so having the self-realization, as Heather said, the meditation, self-awareness, that lotion is also, you know, shown in spades, is, is the idea of we can say no to many things. And I, I'll tell you, for me, this week has been a very decisive week. I have done so many things that I would not have done in the past. You know, back to the question of, I, I would just say, you know, be highly aware of, of, of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, which is dictated by things that we have grown up with versus things that we want to we challenge. On a being single basis, I'm very fortunate to, to be in a place, it's a very privileged place that, people actually don't look at me as just single at this point. And so even when I was suggesting to people that I was going to do this series, you know, many people actually, you'd be surprised, said to me, but we don't see you as being single. It's because we have reconstructed, I have reconstructed this world around me that takes that away. It takes it out of the equation completely. Mm -hmm. That singleness and all of that, like, okay, let's throw that out. And just be appreciated for the individual you are. 
and for for what you give to other people. So that's why it's transformative because you're changing the equation from I you like me because I'm with someone to you like me because what I have to offer. I love that. Yeah, me too. And you'll be amazed at how many people are out there who actually really love a good conversation and a good objective conversation, right? And with someone who is actually not biased. It's a journey, but there are many, many things that I'm sure I'll uncover in the years to come that were norms that I actually don't subscribe to, and I will probably relinquish them. And that's fine. It's like when you go for a colonoscopy and, you know, they kill the polyps, you know, it's like every once in a while we need to kill the polyps. I know that's not very nice to say, but anyway. I was going to say, you want, you know what, you talk about getting right to the heart of the matter. You, <laughs> you're spelling it out. I read you loud and clear, my friend. Can I say it differently? He got to the gut of it. Oh, <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> I think you can also just change how you uh, interact with people. Like the question I love to ask people is, is what lights you up? And, you know, somebody who's talking about whatever lights them up, oh, they're an amazing person in that moment. And it doesn't have to. And from there, you'll, you'll be able to figure out whether there's more of a future to be had um, with that person and in what capacity uh, that doesn't require, you know, assigning them as sort of, is this somebody I'm having sex with or not? You know, and, and as if that, that has to be the deciding factor up front as to how you interact. That's a great statement from you, Heather, because I can speak from personal experience. Whenever I'm with you, you are just always, always valuing what I have to offer. And you always start out with that. You call us bright lights. And it's like, you know, what lights you up? And that's why you are surrounded by other people who are bright lights. Over to you, Gulshan redefining we got to continue to advocate it's really really important because just like how um, in regards to chosen families we have to really kind of advocate for for being single because it is socialized and we need to kind of have people being able to look at a different worldview and a different lens and i've been able to do that with my children because they've been able to see me as a single mother and so they have that worldview and they know that it can happen. But I think we have to continue to advocate and we have to have the conversation. Sometimes as frustrating as it is, we need to sit down and, and, and kind of talk about it because if we don't and we keep quiet and just say, oh my God, it's so frustrating. They always have to ask me if I'm single or not single. But I think that's how we're going to change um, the conversation and the socialization for future generations to come. Absolutely. Well, I think we're nicely uh, finishing this uh, episode. There are a lot of good messages here around reframing for single people, how to you know navigate those norms. And also, I think a lot of good learning for us who are not single people to be able to handle and go into these conversations a bit more effectively and more appropriately. So thank you so much for sharing that. Golson, Heather, you've been amazing. Thanks for joining us. I know it's been a busy day for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks you both. I hope you all love this conversation. And please do share your ideas and your comments and your thoughts with us. As mentioned before, we have an Instagram, being single and happy. We also have a website, being single and happy.com. You can DM us on Instagram. You can email us on Karim at being single and happy.com or Michelle at being single and happy.com or Emma at being single and happy.com. So we're giving you choices here. Until then, see you soon. Bye for now.
You have been listening to Being Single and Happy with Karim Ladakh. You can follow us on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. Until then, may you be happy.